0: What I remember is I decided to click to see what's happening. It's been a couple of years, you know, every month, taking a big chunk of my salary at the time or my number, independence number. Mm. Anyway, so I checked and I was shocked because I realized that I lost almost 40. I remember 48% of the principal I was giving them, 48%.
1: Hello fellow risk takers and welcome to my worst investment ever stories of loss to keep you winning in our community We know that to win in investing you must take risk, but to win big You've got to reduce it to join our community go to my and receive these five free benefits First you get the risk reduction checklist. I created from the lessons. I've learned from all of my guests Second, you get my weekly email to help you increase your investment return. Third, you get a twenty-five percent discount on all A Stots Academy courses, and fourth, you get access to our Facebook community to get to know guests and fellow listeners. And finally, you get my curated lists of the top ten podcast episodes. Fellow risk takers, this is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stotts from A Stots Academy, and I'm here with featured guest Mohanad Alwadi. Mohanad. Tell us a little bit about yourself and whether you're ready to rock.
0: Thank you very much for having me on the podcast. I'm really excited to be part of it. It definitely has a very catchy headline to it. So I'm Al Wadiya. I'm a real estate expert, also an entrepreneur. I currently um, manage a company which is almost 48 years old, specialized in managing real estate portfolios, institutional portfolios. We manage portfolios worth almost $4 billion U.S. dollars across the Middle East region. I'm a published author, and I have a uh, top-rated TV and radio show here in the uh, Gulf region, in the Arab world. And I'm very excited to be with you today.
1: You know, I was going to read your bio, but you just did it so well that I think you hit all the major points. But the one I would highlight is that $4 billion of portfolio is pretty impressive. So you're really someone that understands real estate. And I think that you know, one of the things that we talked about before we turned on the microphone was the idea that, you know, when you're young, you look at senior people in your industry or the place that you want to be. And you think that ah, oh, they haven't they've got it all going and they didn't make mistakes, but they didn't realize that we all have made a lot of mistakes. And so I'm really excited to get you on the show to talk about yours. So why don't we get into it? Yeah. (laughs) Now it's time to share your worst investment ever. And since no one goes into their worst investment thinking it will be, tell us a bit about the circumstances leading up to it and then tell us your story.
0: Sure. Andrew, I heard once a quote that said, uh, bad decisions make good stories. And mine is definitely a fantastic story because it was based on a very, very bad decision that happened almost two decades ago. I still remember I was extremely uh, excited about life. I was at the beginning. I was just graduating from university. And my goal back then was to become independent. I wanted to, I wanted to break free from my family's, you know, being the, the main source of income, where I get my income from. So uh, the plan back then was first to identify my number. And I think a lot of people relate to this. Everyone has a number where they feel I can be free if I can achieve this number. Back then, that number was in the range of around $2,000. I thought if I get this every month, I will break free. I will be absolutely independent financially from my family. And the best way back then to make this happen was to get a job. So... (laughs) I applied for a lot of jobs and then I got myself a very good job. I worked extremely hard. I had to kiss up to my boss, make all my clients super happy. And guess what? After a lot of hard work and with commitment and consistency, I achieved that number. So I got the salary of my dream. I felt super happy, super excited. But guess what happened? After a while, I realized that this number is not enough anymore because we're all greedy. We all have higher expectations. We're ambitious. So my expenses grew and I decided that I need to increase my number with it to grow the number. And back then, I thought maybe another $1,000 will resolve my problems. I'll be happy. And guess what? It became easier because I know the drill. By then, I knew the drill. I had to kiss up more to my bosses, work longer hours, make more clients happy. And after a while, I got it. But again, I wasn't satisfied for a long time. So this time, I decided to increase the number substantially. So I don't have to do this every you know, year or two. So <laughs> I decided back then maybe I should raise it from let's say $3,000 to $10,000 because I thought I don't wanna keep working on just small targets, building them up. I wanted to have a more ambitious you know, number. And while I was working so hard towards achieving this number and my ultimate you know, freedom goal or investment at that time in myself and in my you know, uh, independence, something happened that changed my life forever. I found out that I was going to become a father and, <laughs> and I'm sure whoever goes through this experience, you know, the first child is really a moment of truth. It changes any, any human being, male or a female. At that time I was shocked. I actually was so, I had a lot of mixed feelings. I was so happy, but I also panicked because guess what? I was working on my investment plan, on my plan myself or my independence plan but I never thought of having another person that I need to work for so I freaked out and and I wanted to come up with a plan to secure my soon to be born baby girl and back then with my knowledge with my experience I decided to go and consult the person who knows about money the most my trusted if you want friend who knows everything about money and guess who that person was my banker.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: I rushed to my bank. I, I know. <laughs> it gets better. I got so excited. I went there and I broke the news to my so-called friend back then that I trusted about everything. He, he was the person in charge of my account, you know. Mm. So I thought, hey, listen, I'm going to become a father. And he said, congrats. How can I help you? I said, I need to secure the future of my soon-to-be-born daughter. And he's like, I've got you covered. And he pulled out a very fancy folder, opened it up, and there was there the golden investment, long-term investment plan that actually I found out later that this was a product that the bank was selling on behalf of an insurance company. You know, A long-term investment plan for, they had two options, 18 years or 21 years, depending on how much you want to invest for your child. So without any hesitation, I decided to allocate a big, sizable portion of my number that I was working hard to achieve towards my, the most precious person in my life, my daughter at the time, before she was even born. Mm. I signed that agreement, a commitment that I will be investing every month with this company with the promise that they're going to give me a very big amount of money when my daughter becomes 21. That money will help her in going to... uh, I remember it was 18, sorry. That money was going to help her to. University to get a good degree, and then from there, she'll get her own job and start working on her number, like I decided to do with myself. So, what happened after that? That just uh, can't
1: be more beautiful than that.
0: It's really nice, yep. honestly. And I a lot of people relate to this. You know, a lot of these insurance or bankers come to you with these fancy, nice uh, plans, long term plans.
1: And you can't, I mean, you can't blame someone like yourself in that situation. You know, I mean, we're trying to do the best.
0: I was young. I was committed, working really hard. Uh, I was really at the middle of climbing the ladder of the corporate world. And then I got hit with the most emotional experience anybody could experience, becoming a father, you know. And honestly, I just went with my gut, with my emotions. I went with the person I trusted the most. You know, why would I question him? My my account was always accurate, you know. Mm. Uh, So um... anyway... After a while, I went back to my normal life, working hard. My daughter was born. I kept working every month, deducting the amount. And I just left it there. You know, every month they take a big chunk. And I kept working hard to achieve my security, my independence, and my daughter's future. And then I remember after a couple of years, I was checking my email. And I used to get from them these quarterly reports, which I never checked because, to be honest with you, I felt... You know, I'm leaving, I'm I'm entrusting the person who knows about the money and the bank with this. So I used to ignore these reports. I honestly didn't understand them even. I didn't have the knowledge to read them. So all I remember is I decided to click to see what's happening. It's been a couple of years, you know, every month taking a big chunk of my salary at the time or my number, independence number. Mm. Anyway, so I checked and I was shocked because I realized that I lost almost 40, I remember 48% of the principal I was giving them, 48%. And mind you, I was giving them a very big portion of my salary at the time. So anyway, I called first the banker, my friend. I was like, there seemed to be a problem with my statement. I was like, what's the problem? I told him, almost 48% are lost. And he said, yeah, it seems to be a problem. Why don't you call them directly? I wouldn't know how to help you. So he just <laughs> gave me up immediately. So I called the company, the insurance company, the main supplier of this plan. And they said, no, there's no mistake. Yes, you've lost this much. And I'm like, but what do you mean? I'm supposed to be gaining, not losing. And we kept debating over the phone. Then I decided to have a meeting with them. So I went, I uh, scheduled a meeting. I went to them. I met the head of investment at the time, a senior person. He met me. And he was extremely cold, Andrew. He told me, listen, you didn't read the contract. You just signed it. It says that there's a big chance you could lose money. And if you're not happy with our performance, why don't you change how the fund is allocated? Your money is allocated to these different instruments. And I told him, I know nothing about investments. Mm. I'm just a very good employee. And I said, well, this is your problem. So I told him, what are my options? What if I want to stop the plan? He said, you will lose everything that you invested, the whole principle. Then I told him, what if I want to, what if I lose my job? He said, if you lose your job, then you can't pay. Then you lose everything you've saved with us so far. And I was stuck. I didn't know what to do. So I remember I left the meeting while I was walking from the entrance of their company to the elevator in the fancy building where their offices are. I had maybe the worst walk of my life. The walk of shame, I called it. Mm. I felt so ashamed with myself I knew I made a mistake. I felt so angry, but guess what? Not at them. I was angry with myself because I let myself down. And more importantly, I let my daughter down because you know, I felt like I was robbed. I was, I really failed myself and I failed her. And as soon as I went to the elevator, I clicked the button, the elevator opened up. I saw my face, (laughs) my face looked so funny. I was like, this is not me. I'm a different person. And then it hit me. It was a moment of realization that I would never forget. I was looking at myself in that elevator and my reflection and I decided that I needed to change everything. I needed to change my life. I didn't want to have a number anymore. I wanted to have a much better objective in my life because that was what drives what's driving me, that number, mm. you know, the salary I was aiming to have. I decided that I needed to not just have a number in terms of monetary value. I needed to have a number in terms of sources of income. I decided that I don't want to be an employee anymore. Or even if I'm an employee, I must have multiple sources of income. I learned that I should not trust people with my money. I needed to develop my knowledge about money and about investment. So I decided that I needed to Develop my knowledge about money and about investment. I decided that I shouldn't be emotional anymore when I take decisions about money. I should make more rational decisions. I should study the options. I should never... And since then, I stopped believing in passive income. There is no such thing as passive income. Money that you give to somebody to make it work for you Mm. and grow. It's all not true. It's all a lie. All the books you hear about, all the conferences or the seminars you hear about passive income are all a big lie. There is no such thing as passive income. You need to work hard to grow your money. You need to work on yourself and work on growing and nurturing that money. And this applies to any asset class, no matter what people tell you, you need to be involved. Otherwise, you are really gambling. You might lose your money like I did. You know, even if you go mm. into the best companies with the best branding and the best names. So this was, if you want, my biggest mistake, but- And how did it that, end? I'll tell you how it did end. I actually decided to reduce the amount I invest with them without a penalty until such a point. I think after five years, I could get out with mm. them with a loss. So I took the head. But during that time, I decided I took a totally different route. I started reading books myself about investment, about financial education, things that we never learned at school. We never learned anywhere. You know? So I started educating myself, investing in myself. And I started building my sources of income. So I started investing in real estate, which I believe is God's gift to humanity. It's one of the best asset classes if you know how to buy it and you know how to manage it. And then I started investing in companies that I knew that were well-established, that are profitable. I decided to take a stake in them. I learned about stocks. I learned about bonds. I started publishing my own books, which became a source of income for me. I started giving courses, which became a source of income. Even when the social media trend started booming, I made a conscious decision that I'm going to be on social media for the purpose of making it a source of income. And I've achieved that. I started making Mm. a lot of money from my social media platforms. I produced and presented the best rated TV show and radio show, again, with the objective of making them a source of income. So today, after almost 20 years, You know, I'm very proud that I have now over 55 sources of income. I changed changed my destiny. I no longer want to depend on anybody. I want to be the manager of my investments. And now I'm also entrusted to manage portfolios worth billions of dollars for other people. So this is my story. I I, I know it might sound like some people heard this. Yeah, I also have a plan for my kids, you know, a long-term saving plan or investment plan. Be very careful about it. And there are so many lessons. I can tell you a lot of things that I learned from this story. But Mm -mm. but in general, this is my, I would say, uh, the biggest mistake I made when it comes to investment. But thank God, it helped me become the person who I am today.
1: Mm. Well, maybe I'll summarize a couple of things that I take away from your story. The first one is that, you know, one of the things I always say is that never invest. Now, now this doesn't apply in this case, but I always give advice. Never invest with someone who calls you yeah <laughs> and what i often say is that you know in the world of finance nobody moves unless they get paid yeah. and so if somebody's calling you they're taking this effort now in this case you walked in but it's a little bit like walking into a supermarket and not knowing anything about nutrition you're going to see the signs of the the candies and the snacks and the colas and all of those things is what you're going to see and you're going to go directly to those things if you didn't know about the importance of nutrition, sorry, you're going to suffer. And you're yeah, going to suffer from, you know, that. So why would investing be any different? And so that's the first thing that I take away. I love what you said about passive income, because also the other thing that people think about and the, the flaw and the thinking that you had too, when you were saying, you know, when you were talking about, I wanted to have $2,000 I want to have $3,000. I want to have $10,000. Let's just take $3,000. If somebody said that they wanted to have three thousand dollars in income each month, if we say that that equals about $36,000 per year, and let's just say that you're going to get 4%, let's be conservative right now and say 4% return. That means you got to have $900,000 to be able to live off that. Now, that's a lot more money than what most people think when they think they're going to make some, you know, passive income. But the key thing where there's a lot of misunderstanding is that we all are shown these exponential curves. If you start investing now and you invest over time and it grows and it grows exponentially. Like look at Warren Buffett. They say that, you know, 80% of his wealth happened in the last 10-15 years because yep. it's compounding. What most people don't understand when they hear the nonsense about passive income, what they don't understand, the people that are talking about it and the people that are listening, is that if you were to take your money out of your investment for your monthly living, you don't get the compounding. Correct. Compounding assumes all of the income and all of the gain that you receive is being reinvested in that instrument or in that investment. So that's the second thing I just want to reiterate. I love what you said about there is no such thing as passive income. The third thing is I try to teach people to separate the creation of wealth and the growing of wealth. Creating wealth is what we do to creating these income streams, working hard to get them. And the stock market is a place where we can try to grow that wealth, not to create it. And the last thing that I would just say is that, you know, in Asia in particular, there's so many insurance products that are being sold that to me are a waste of money, a scam. I've just got a guy, a friend of mine, He used to live in Bangkok, he went back to the UK, and now he just told me, he just got a job, I believe it was in in the Middle East, I don't know, Dubai, where. But he told me, I'm now making huge money and I just got this great opportunity to invest with this insurance policy and then this and that. And he said, but I know you're a financial expert, so I wanna just send it to you before I sign on the line. And I said, call me, we need to talk because you're about to get ripped off. And so many of these things, the fees are super high, Not only that, but there's also penalties for getting out. So I think a huge lesson from this also is for the listeners out there, stop. When you're presented with an investment proposal by someone, stop, take it home, look at it, read it, ask advice from people who know, because you could get trapped into that. Is there anything you'd add to my takeaways? I took away a lot from your story.
0: No, I I agree. I just want to add also from what I learned is that I just went with the decision Without thinking about it, I was driven by emotions because we all go through moments where we just make a decision because most people want to invest because they want to secure their futures or the futures of the ones they, they love. And if you really care about them, you shouldn't be emotional about it. Yes, I understand. It's an emotional the reason or the motive is emotional, but your decision should not be driven by that. So that's one of the things that affected me. I think that I learned from you as well before we started recording is you should always be careful about misplacing your trust because I trusted my banker. (laughs) Guess what? (laughs) Biggest mistake ever. You should never trust your bankers (laughs) ever. You know, they're good only at keeping your accounts, but they're not good when it comes to offering you professional investment advice. As you mentioned, they have a motive behind it. I also went into the trap of not monitoring. Another thing I learned from you, I wasn't monitoring their plan. I I found out only after like two or three years passed about what happened and how bad it was. If Mm -hmm. I knew earlier, I maybe would have made a different decision to at least reduce the contribution I was giving them. I was giving them a very big portion. So I think all of these lessons with the things you mentioned would be very valuable for people to consider. And I know not just in Asia, even here in the Middle East, in the Gulf region, in Dubai, every day you know banks are being asked or incentivized to offer their clients a long-term investment scheme from insurance companies so please be very careful about it i've never heard and people can actually just to prove what i'm saying google people's experiences with these companies and these long-term saving or investment plans and i rarely come across anybody there are actually nobody and you can tell if there are some positive comments they are fake the yeah. genuine ones you can know they're genuine 99 of them they have failed miserably with these plans. So we should learn from mistakes. We should learn from this story and from other people's stories and the comments we can see and seek professional advice from independent consultants like yourself or people who have been through you know, the journey and really have a genuine interest to help, not just and share knowledge, not just, you know, trying to sell you something.
1: There's two other things I would add too that I was just thinking about. You know, the first one is that. Not everybody can generate 55 different types of income streams. And if you're listening to this and you feel discouraged because you heard that, I would also say that there's nothing wrong with having a good job, making good money, and keeping your monthly spending below your income. You are creating wealth each month through your salary. And then think about that. And then the other thing I was thinking about is that nowadays, compared to let's say when I started investing, when my nieces, I have five nieces, when each of them turned 18, I flew back to America for their graduation and I brought $3,000 and I gave it to them and helped them put it into an investment account, in this case at Vanguard and taught them, try to just invest in this one instrument. There's an instrument called the VT fund or VT ETF. It owns every stock in the world. I was like, forget everything else. And just every month put some money in there and don't ever sell, just let it grow over time. And You know that I have a course about that. I have a book about that. I've done, you know, advise that for a long time. But the point is, whether you do it on your own or you do it with a little bit of help, it is not expensive and it's not too difficult to learn on your own to invest on your own. And so I think that's a lesson that I want everybody to learn. Let me ask you last question. What's your number one goal for the next 12 months?
0: I actually have so many exciting plans, but for the next 12 months, I'm actually starting up a uh, crowd investment platform here, a fintech company in Dubai, and it will specialize in actually making real estate a mass opportunity for people to invest in. A lot of people criticize real estate for requiring a big capital. I'm trying to actually change that perception. And I don't want to go through REITs Real Estate Investment Trusts. I'm making it much easier where people can actually review specific assets, invest in it with a small amount, as low as $1,000. And they can own a stake in that property that is ready, generating income, that can help them have a second source or a third source of income. So this is my biggest objective. I have so many other things on the media front. I'm publishing a new book. So a lot of things happening. But this would be my biggest, if you want, uh, goal is to start this new company.
1: That sounds exciting. And we'll have links in the show notes for everything that we just talked about. And hopefully for anybody that wants to follow it up, what's the best way for them to reach out to you?
0: They can reach me through my email or my social media platforms. I have over 2.7 million followers now across all my verified social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook. I'm even on uh, Snapchat and TikTok, LinkedIn, obviously. So they can follow me anywhere. They will find the blue tick on all yep. these platforms and very, uh, I'm very interactive. I love to interact with people, and I do offer a lot of advice whenever I have time. You know, just mm. quick answers to specific questions.
1: Well, I think we can all follow you and also learn from you on not only not only all that you can teach, but also how you manage all that, because that's a lot of stuff to manage.
0: <laughs> yes, of course. But I think one of the secrets is also having the right team to work with you and making sure that you have a thirst for knowledge. I can see all the books behind you. I can tell from our conversation that you're somebody who's got a lot of knowledge. You've, and and mm. it's just like the concept of compounding. It compounds. The more you read, the easier it will be for you to read more books because your knowledge, your uh, ability to comprehend certain technologies or industries will, will become faster and easier for you. So it's all about the power of compounding. It's yep. unbelievable.
1: Yeah. And knowledge is the one thing that nobody can take away. Well, listeners, yep. there you have it, another... Go ahead.
0: I'm so sorry. I was just going to add to you, knowledge, investing in knowledge is the only thing that you would never lose in. It's definitely the best investment ever. I've never heard a person enrolling in a course or reading a book and they lost money in it. You don't. You always gain something and you will never lose when you invest in yourself.
1: And I I went back to do my PhD at the age of 47 and graduated when I was 50. So I challenge any of the listeners, right, that we are never too old to learn. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that is another story of loss to keep you winning. My number one goal for the next 12 months is to help you, my listeners, reduce risk and increase return in your life. To achieve this, I've created our community at myworstinvestmentever.com and I look forward to seeing you there. As we conclude, Mohanad, I want to thank you again for coming on the show and on behalf of ASTOTS Academy, I hereby award you, yes, you, alumni status for turning your worst investment ever into your best teaching moment. Do you have any parting words for the audience? (laughs)
0: Thank you very much. It was really exciting. I'm honored. Honestly, it was such a nice uh, interview. Very uh, natural and uh, amazing. You're a great speaker. I love the podcast. I'm going to watch most or all of them, hopefully, if I have time. I'll make sure I have the time to see them all. My uh, advice to everybody is just keep investing in yourselves, even if they're small, but try to start building other sources of income for yourselves. And that's it. Thank you very much. (laughs) Fantastic. And that's a wrap
1: on another great story to help us create, grow, and protect our well, fellow risk takers. This is your worst podcast host, Andrew Stott saying, I'll see you on the upside.